Hello, and welcome to another episode of Geeking Cannabis. Last episode, we talked about mental health and cannabis and kind of my perspective on what cannabis can do to you if you are smoking too heavily. And now we are actually getting into the facts behind that. Like, so I was saying before that cannabis can affect your mental state when you're smoking way too much. So like you can get more depressed or anxious or just not overall feel good from smoking that amount of cannabis. Now, like we all know, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And with cannabis, that directly aligns with that statement. Just because with the endocannabinoid system, everybody has it in our body. So in my opinion, like taking cannabis is like taking a vitamin, except you don't want to take too much of a vitamin because then you can actually poison yourself. I mean, does that make sense to everybody? So when you're thinking about cannabis, it's actually, there are two different effects that cannabis can give you. There is the low effect and there's the high effect. So what I'm talking about here is biphasic dosing. So when you have a low dose, it creates a specific effect. So for example, when you're smoking limonene at uh, the terpene at low amounts, you will have um, your anxiety taken care of and any depression, you'll kind of feel uplifted. But if you're smoking too much limonene, you can actually have anxiety, which that is the high dose. So increasing the dose does not necessarily improve the effect, but a higher dose can actually produce the opposite effect. So just like I was saying there with limonene, you don't have anxiety with a low dose, but you will have anxiety with a high dose. And a small dose of cannabis can stimulate the body and large doses can sedate. So with linalool, it's good for depression in small amounts. But if you take a large dose of linalool, then you will actually have sedative effects. Large doses of CBD can be less effective than moderate doses, which is interesting because if you think about it, THC and large doses will actually give you a headache. It will give you a serious head buzz. You might feel dizzy. You might feel a little nauseous. You might feel that your heart is racing at millions of miles per minute. But that's where you got to think that you need to just take a small amount. And that's where with cannabis, they always recommend low and slow. And that is because you want to make sure that you are not overloading your system. Because if you overload your endocannabinoid system, you're actually going to feel not good, to put it in short terms, is you're going to feel overwhelmed. And that's where people think that they need to go to the hospital because they're having a panic attack because their heart feels like it's going beating out of their chest and they can feel it beating out of their throat. That's not good. That means you're smoking way too much. And you actually build up a tolerance over time from smoking a lot of cannabis. So even if you smoke just a low amount of cannabis, you can increase your tolerance over time and your body will let you know how much you need. If you are having unwanted effects, it's because you're smoking way too much and you need to lower your dose. With cannabis, you have to be specifically careful just because there is no specific dose for every person. There's no one size fits all dosing recommendation. Kind of like you can buy just on the shelf at a pharmacy, like something for your head. So like Tylenol or Advil or something. 
and they say like, okay, well, just take two for an adult and one for a child. That's not the same with cannabis. You have to use cannabis to know what's right for you. And so that's why they always say low and slow. And 2.5 milligrams is kind of considered microdosing, but also it is that amount that someone who's never used cannabis before or someone who is like 100 pounds, maybe like 5'4", like their body is going to need significantly a less amount of cannabis than someone who is six foot with, um, say, 250 pounds on them. It's going to be completely different, not to mention how much sleep you've gotten, not to mention how much you've eaten, your genetics and stuff like that. So for every single person, they will need different strains or different terpenes based off of what works for them. And that's why I said in the last episode, I mean, I said keep a journal just for your mental health, but also keep a journal for your cannabis. That's super important. Like, I have a journal actually on my shelf right now that while I'm going through these different cannabis strains, I'm making sure to write down, okay, how does it make me feel? How much did I smoke? Like, maybe I took one to two hits. What does it do to my body? How much did I eat that day? What kind of mood I was in? How did it help? What did it make me think about? And you'll notice like with certain strains and cultivars and terpenes, like you'll start to notice, okay, I like this terpene, I don't like this terpene or, and within terpenes, that is a, there's the overall category of sativa and indica. If you don't remember that, please go watch my cultivar episode. It'll make more sense if you're just jumping into this episode. So if you keep a journal, you will be able to know, okay. This is what's right for me. And every single person is different. And that's where I was saying before, like, maybe you're smoking too much. Maybe you're not smoking enough. Maybe you're just in that comfortable spot where you already know your tolerance. You already know what you're doing. And that's great. That's perfect. That's where you should be. But in terms of anxiety and depression and PTSD and all these mental disorders, you have to be very careful about what you are doing with cannabis. Because like I said before, a low amount of cannabis will have the desired effect that you want and a high amount of cannabis will not have that same effect, actually the opposite. And that's because your body is literally being overwhelmed with how much cannabis you're using. Also, please always talk to your doctor. I know the conversation of cannabis cannot always be the most comfortable just because it's not federally legalized yet, but we have light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. We're getting there soon, so don't worry about it. Your doctor is there to help you. And if you trust your doctor, if you feel comfortable with your doctor, maybe even don't, try having that conversation of cannabis. Make sure it doesn't interact with any prescriptions that you're currently using. Make sure that if you don't feel comfortable talking to them, talk to your bud tenders. They should know. And if they don't know, they should go look it up. Like, that is what a bun tender is supposed to do. They're supposed to understand how cannabis interacts with your body. They should know, okay, say you have PTSD, you do not want to use pinene, which is funny because I actually like pinene for my ADD, but in high amounts of pinene, it gives me anxiety, and that's because pinene can stimulate memory retention, and that's why you do not want to give people with PTSD pinene. Not a good idea, not a fun idea, but if you have ADHD, ADD, pining does help in low amounts. I mean low amounts because I know when I smoke too much, like one or two hits, perfect. Any more than that, <laughs> wrong direction, not where you want to go. Anyway, like I was saying earlier, with using 
cannabis, you want to make sure that you're starting off low and even then you will start to build a tolerance over time. And so when you're using THC, you actually should be taking a tolerance break periodically. It's better for you that way the medicine is working the way you want it to. And once you come back after about like five to 14 days or maybe even go two to four weeks, that's perfectly a good amount of time. You take that time off and you will be able to bring your tolerance back. So you will allow your body to produce more receptors. So the THC that you're putting into your body can be utilized and you can also save money from not smoking outrageous amounts of cannabis. Look, I know for all you stoners out there, it is nice to sit down and smoke a whole blunt or smoke a whole joint just yourself. But at the end of the day, do you really enjoy that? I mean, like, the mental state that it puts you in. Do you get anxious? Do you get uncomfortable? I mean, maybe your tolerance really is that high, but wouldn't you rather just take a tolerance break? And for those of you who have been smoking forever, it doesn't matter how long you've been smoking for. If you take, like, a month, up to a month, 30 days, your tolerance will absolutely go back to zero, and you'll be smoking like a newborn again. (laughs) You know what I mean? You, like, you won't have, and by the way, do not let your newborn smoke cannabis. It's not good for infants. And we'll actually have an episode on pregnancy and cannabis and children and cannabis later on in a different season. But just be aware that, I mean, for right now, just a little insight. Don't let your kids smoke cannabis. It's not good for them. And when you're pregnant, do not use cannabis. It is a blood-brain barrier, which you can actually stunt growth in your child. There's still research being done on that, but we'll talk more about that later. Anyway, You'll be reborn again, basically, in the sense of cannabis. Like, it'll be a whole new thing if you take a tolerance break, and you'll be surprised with how much money you save and how you really don't need to smoke that much of cannabis. But I want everyone to be aware that if you are going to take a tolerance break, that there are cannabis withdrawal symptoms. And some of you may not even experience these, but just be aware that you could have depression when you're not smoking, like how I was saying in the last episode, is that when I would smoke an outrageous amount of cannabis, and then I would go a couple days without smoking, I would be so in the dumps. I'd be depressed. My mindset would just be fighting me on everything I needed to do. I would have a ton of anxiety, a ton of anxiety, like an unnecessary amount. And that is one of the withdrawal symptoms. You might have flu-like symptoms, which you just want to keep your immune system up, which means limit the amount of sugar that you have because two teaspoons of sugar can actually decrease your immune system for up to six hours, four to six hours. You may have irritability as a cannabis withdrawal symptom. You may have insomnia. So for those of you who use um, cannabis to help you sleep at night, you probably won't be sleeping as much and you will have weight changes. So things to look out for. It may not affect you. You may have one or two side effects. You may have all of them. So just be aware that if you are doing a tolerance break, you may have some of these unwanted symptoms and that's okay because CBD can actually be used to buffer the THC withdrawal symptoms. So in terms of psychological disorders and cannabis, So, for example, like PTSD, eating disorders, sleep, anxiety, depression, paranoia, obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar affective disorder, behavioral and emotional disorders, 
disassociation and disassociative disorders, all of these may or may not be helped with cannabis. So what I want to make a disclaimer is if you have bipolar, it's really not recommended that you use cannabis because cannabis can increase your bipolar symptoms. And that's, of course, with each individual, you want to make sure that you are assessing what is right for you. So with bipolar disorder, a sedative like a linalool will actually help with your symptoms and maybe decrease them. Or, I mean, depending on the person, it might do the opposite effect and depending on how much you smoke as well. But I mean, I wouldn't recommend a sativa to a bipolar person because it'll totally wire up your brain and your thoughts will be going a thousand miles a minute. And with PTSD, those of you who don't know the full definition, it is post-traumatic stress disorder. It is a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event. So for me, I was sexually assaulted as a child, and so I have flashbacks and nightmares and severe anxiety when I'm around older men and sometimes women. And sometimes I will have uncontrollable thoughts about the event. So when I'm using cannabis, I love the indica side of cannabis with terpenes such as linalool. And I know I keep saying linalool. There are other terpenes other than just that. And like I said before, if you want to know about all of those, go click on my cultivars episode. I believe it's in season one. You'll be able to learn about all these different terpenes. One of the saddest things with PTSD is a lot of people actually abuse prescription drugs up to 35%. And with cannabis, it helps against fighting prescription drugs. It helps against the opioid pandemic. When looking at PTSD, CBD has the potential to treat symptoms of PTSD safely without psychoactivity, which is from the THC. And what CBD does in the body, it enhances instinctive learning. So it blocks the reconsolidation of memories and blocks mood receptors. And like I said before, what you want to look out for is do not give PTSD people pining. It can increase anxiety and give them flashbacks, which is just completely cruel. When looking at eating disorders, there's a couple that you need to look out for. Anorexia, which is not eating anything. Cachexia, which is wasting syndrome, which can be involved with cancer. And it stunts bones and muscles. And binge eating. So when you're looking at how cannabis can help with that, there's certain cannabinoids in the body that can actually increase and suppress appetite. So what is specifically affecting the body? Well, CB1 receptor agonist, which if you don't know, agonist increases receptors that increases the appetite and CB1 antagonist, which antagonist means blocking receptors, inhibit food intake. So CBD turns white fat into brown fat, which helps the body burn fat and promotes lipid metabolism, aiding in obesity prevention. Now in one of, in season three in one of the episodes with Ben and Anthony, we actually talk about athletes and cannabis. And within that episode, I talk about a CBD product, which is from Prime My Body, which you can take and it actually increases your metabolism and helps with fighting obesity. But it is important to note that CBD alone will not help reduce weight and it cannot replace a healthy diet or regular exercise. 
THC activates the CB1 receptors, which helps increase the appetite, which can help with anorexia and cachexia. The CB1 receptor is involved with this receptor for ghrelin, which is a hormone in the body that increases the sensation for hunger. So it's interesting how the endocannabinoid system is all throughout the body, and it does affect every single part of our body. When dealing with anxiety and stress, CBD has been shown to consistently reduce anxiety. And that is because the CBD is dealing with the, both the limbic and the paralimbic brain areas. And for those of you who don't know what the limbic brain is, it scans all sensory input. It's the fight or flight response. It integrates memories and emotion. It is considered our honest brain because it is a manifestation of our thoughts, feelings, and intentions through our feet, torso, arms, hands, and faces. The chemicals that are directly related to anxiety is inside of the frontal lobe and also the cerebellum, which in the frontal lobe, there is GABA, which is gamma amino butyric acid. And if you have too little of that, it can cause anxiety and anxiety disorders. And some anti-anxiety medication increases the GABA, which is the gamma amino butyric acid at receptor sites. And in the cerebellum, if you have too much adrenaline, you can have anxiety and anxiety disorders develop. So with this out of balance or imbalance of brain chemicals that contributes to this anxiety going on within the frontal lobe in the cerebellum in the brain, amygdala plays a key role in the emotional processes and there is a genetic predisposition in anxiety disorders. So the amygdala regulates emotions such as fear and aggression. And when that isn't working, then you will have high amounts of anxiety. So with our endocannabinoid system, we have different cannabinoid receptors that are going all throughout our body. Anxiety is inhibited when signaling is stimulated in the prefrontal cortex, the amygdala, and the hippocampus, and the pathways are activated by the cannabinoid receptors. So in terms of THC, on the CB1 receptors in the amygdala, it blocks the reconsolidation of adverse memories. If you listened to the last episode about mental health and cannabis, you will remember when I was saying that you need to change your mindset. Meaning, like, you keep saying something over and over and over again, and eventually it will become just habit. So, with the hippocampus, it is involved with long-term memory. And since the amygdala is involved with fear, in order to help fight against anxiety without using cannabis, you have to make sure that you are applying analytical thinking and the anxiety will go away, which means that you are consistently reminding yourself that you are fine, that you can get through this and you're breathing and you're making sure to calm your body down. Because if you are just calming your mind down, yes, you can say over and over again, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But when you put in the practice of every time you're having that anxiety and you are breathing to get through it, you're actually making it long-term memory for your body to go through and to have that immediate reaction to breathe and to calm down when your anxiety is starting to get heightened. The limbic system, which is part of this anxiety, is actually located in the central nervous system, which is the brain and spinal cord. 
Cannabis affects several different parts of the brain, including those responsible for memory, learning, coordination, and sensory and time perception. So hypothalamus, it increases appetite like we were talking about earlier with anxiety and cachexia. Now, when we're talking about depression, it is much more than just a brain disorder. And this is because it can, it can cause physical symptoms and can cause lasting damage to the body because of both direct effects and indirect complications of living with this mental disorder. So for instance, depression can change your appetite. So with anorexia, how we were talking about earlier, it can be caused by depression and it may trigger you to eat less or in other cases, binge eating which you can gain a lot of weight. But with anorexia, you eat less and you lose an unhealthy amount of weight because you are just laying there in bed and you don't want to eat or you have the binge eating disorder where you are depressed and you eat more, which leads to weight gain and is associated with health conditions. I mean, both anorexia and binge eating is associated with health conditions. So with depression, you can experience chronic pain and unexplainable aches and pains like headaches or back pain or joint tenderness, and that can be triggered by depression. When looking at a brain scan of someone who is depressed versus not depressed, the depressed brain will have way less brain activity actually going on. And if you're not depressed, your brain activity will light up when getting a PET scan or a positon emission tomography. So when you're dealing with depression, fatigue is a common symptom and is one of the most consistent physical consequences of this mental illness. The lack of energy is beyond normal tiredness. It makes you feel apathetic, irritable, and you don't want to do anything. And just getting out of bed in the morning can feel intolerable, honestly. And for those of you who have dealt with depression before, know that this is the case. I mean, the receptors are not going off the way that they should be. You're not receiving the right amount of chemicals such as dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. Not having enough of these chemicals in your brain can actually affect cortisol and memory. For those of you who don't know what cortisol is, it is a steroid hormone which regulates a wide range of processes throughout the body, including metabolism and the immune response. It also plays a role in helping the body respond to stress. So cortisol and the amygdala is also affected. There is also brain inflammation and hypoxia, which is reduced oxygen in the brain, which can include inflammation and injury to the death of brain cells. So this affects learning, memory, and mood. And what cannabis does it, it, is it is a blood-brain barrier. So it can increase blood throughout blood flow throughout our body. And cannabis acts as an amino suppressant, which means that cannabis is apoptosis, allowing cells to die naturally. This reduces cell death inside of the brain and also combats the inflammation, which is killing brain cells. So in terms of terpenes for depression, you want to look for a limonene or a linalool to combat the inflammation that's happening in the brain due to, due to the depression. You could go for myrcene or caryophylline, which helps against the inflammation. With the chronic pain that comes with depression, the new neurons and pathways that are developed because of the pain that is longer than three months because it's chronic if something's longer than three months, it is considered chronic. 
The new neurons and pathways that develop anticipate pain before it even occurs. So this can cause more anxiety, stress, and depression from anticipating a memory of an injury or anticipating pain. These signals are often stronger than the original pain itself. So the changes that are happening in the brain from the right chemicals not being produced and the neurons not firing off, it can heighten the psychological connection with the pain and the emotional suffering. So in terms of cannabis, it serves as an anti-inflammatory like we talked about earlier, the myrcene and the caryophylline that can help with the inflammation. And also cannabis in general relaxes the body and mind. So cannabis does help with depression and the chronic pain that can come from depression or maybe chronic pain that's happening in general. With depression, like we were talking about before, you want to make sure that you're doing as much as you possibly can for your body to make sure that you're helping yourself get through the depression. So that means healing your gut because serotonin lives inside of your gut. So if you're not eating the right foods, if you're eating like processed foods or sugary foods, that's not good for you. You need to be eating whole foods, which is organic foods. And that way you are boosting your immune system, you are boosting the serotonin levels. So you just want to make sure that you're eating right, you want to make sure that you're exercising because it releases endorphins, which triggers a positive feeling in the body similar to that of morphine. And these endorphins interact with the receptors in your brain that reduce your perception of pain. So, I mean, that chronic pain, going back to that, exercising can help with that i mean but you want to make sure that you're being careful and if you're using cannabis then you won't feel the pain in general so you want to make sure that you're sleeping well you want to make sure you're getting at least eight hours of sleep if you're getting anything less than that you're not giving your body enough time to rest and regenerate while you're sleeping and if you're getting too much then it's actually harmful to the body surprisingly you want to make sure too that with your cannabis use you are not using too much Like we were talking about at the beginning, when you're using too much cannabis, it can actually overload your endocannabinoid system and your body has too much THC, too much CBD, too much in the body itself. And this can cause adverse effects that you're not looking for. So it can cause more depression, more anxiety. And that is not the goal of cannabis use. The goal of cannabis use is to be medicinal or, I mean, there is adult use out there. So use at your own discretion, but just make sure that you're not overloading your system because medicinal or not, you are still going to have these effects if you're using too much cannabis. And also know that there are endocannabinoid deficiencies, which means that you're not getting enough in your CB1 and CB2 receptors. So in some cases the body does not produce enough endocannabinoids or enough receptors for the endocannabinoid system to function properly. So as a result, the functions aren't regulated properly and the body becomes unbalanced, allowing allowing diseases to arise. So for the CB1, that can be a motor activity, thinking, motor coordination, appetite, short-term memory, pain perception, immune cells. And in CB2, it can be the gut, kidneys, pancreas, epidosis tissue, skeletal muscle, bone, eye, tumors, reproductive system, immune system, respiratory tract, skin, CNS, central nervous system, cardiovascular system, and the liver.
At the end of the day, if your endocannabinoid system is not running properly, your body really won't be running properly as well. And so you want to make sure that you are slowly introducing the THC and CBD in order not to imbalance your system and to make sure you are not overwhelming it. So we always say start low and slow. If you are a first-time user, low and slow. If you are a heavy user, maybe take a tolerance break, restart your tolerance, and then start low and slow from there. Or if you already found your middle ground, you're happy with where you're going, you know what you're doing, perfect. Stay there. You're doing good. But the goal of cannabis is to use it medicinally in my eyes. I believe that with everything, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And we can see that with anything around us. I mean, too much air, you'll die. Too much water, you'll die. You can't have too much alcohol. I mean, not that alcohol is really a good thing to begin with, but you can't have too much alcohol or you'll die. Too much caffeine and you increase the rate of having a heart attack by 60%. And that's just drinking a cup of coffee. So honestly, just be careful with what you're putting into your body. Make sure that you're researching for your own state of mind. Make sure that you are paying attention to every single thing that is affecting your body along with whatever you are using. So cannabis, if you're taking other medications, make sure that cannabis is not affecting those medications or interacting with them in a way that could be harmful to you because cannabis itself is not harmful. I mean, when you're using a lighter, you want to make sure that you are mindful that you can inhale the butane from the lighter and that is dangerous. So maybe you choose to use a vaporizer instead, or maybe you choose to use an edible or a topical or a transdermal patch, whatever you're using, just be mindful of what it's doing. Be mindful of how it's interacting with your body. Take notes, keep a journal for yourself. I mean, if you want to find the best strains for yourself and to know what the perfect amount of smoking or the dosage is for you for using cannabis, keep a journal, write it down, remember it. At the end of the day, never forget, low and slow. Thank you all for tuning in for this episode of Geeking Cannabis. If you have any questions, go on to the Instagram account, leave a DM, leave a comment. If you still have questions about how cannabis interacts with the body, I will try and make sure in the future to have someone come on as a guest and talk about it. So if you have any specific questions that you would like to ask for that episode, make sure to leave me a comment. If not, Thank you so much for listening and tune in next time. Thank you.